Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. Here we are again for another Mavens Do It Better podcast, where we interview extraordinary experts who bring a light to our world. And we definitely have a wonderful person on today who I've known for a while and we've been trying to get scheduled for a bit. So Shavonna Gaylor. Hello. How are you? Hi. <laughs> so happy to be here. And I'm so glad we're finally able to make this happen. I know. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Me as well. So uh, where are you coming to us today from? Today, I am in my office. Yep. I call myself not your average therapist and therapy is my gift. So my office is my happy place. This is where the magic happens. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, I'm, in, I'm a typical HQ right now in Marina Del Rey, California. You're California as well. Yeah. Yes, Southern California as well. Yep. Yes. Um, in near Temecula area. Okay. So about an hour um, east of LA and about an hour north of San Diego. Right. That is right. Yeah. Temecula. Isn't that sort of Temecula is kind of wine country as well too, right? Yes. Temecula is wine country. I'm not in Temecula, but most people don't know where Canyon Lake oh. is. So I say Temecula <laughs> so that they have a, cause I'm about 10, 15 minutes away from Temecula just so that they have an idea of where. Yeah. Right. 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 Gotcha. So, yeah. So, so gosh, and, and, you know, we met through a, a mutual, some, a few mutual friends actually, but with a, a Luthra Lish, of course, wonderful Luthra, yes. who you yes. do a lot of work with actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My work with the Luthra, she is the executive director of Soteria, which provides safe spaces um, and intervention, um, and intervention, early intervention and prevention for sexual assault and just cre create safety in non-traditional settings. Yep. So she is the executive director of that and I am the clinical director. So we collaborate on some amazing projects yeah. like uh, offering safe spaces at Coachella and Stagecoach. And we recently did a, um, a research project kind of working with those this year at Mardi Gras mm -hmm. to look at potentially establishing safe spaces in the future. Um, so just definitely large scale, non-traditional settings of being able to provide that emotional safety. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I've been in the background with Soteria for a while with Salu Thread, like looking yes. through things, of course. So, yeah. So I. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know that yes. for sure. I know you're very. No, totally. You, you. It's, been, it's been fun <laughs> watching what you two are doing and the, and the rest of the team as well. So I've, I've always been like, ooh, this is uh, it's great to see how things kind of keep evolving. And um, yeah, I bet. So because Mardi Gras gosh, right in the middle of sort of the beginnings of the our, our pandemic that we're in the middle of. I bet that was interesting on like a gazillion levels, having been there. Through, it, yeah. Was, yeah. it was fascinating, especially because um, it was, it definitely personally impacted us. Yeah. So Aluka and I stayed together in the hotel there mm. and she had just come from Seattle. Okay. So we stayed together for about three or four days. We, I was not very familiar with it, with the pandemic and, and what was going on. Right. So we were all over the place. We were in so many, we worked with fire department. Mm. We worked with emergency responders. We went to the the um the sober tanks we were in the middle of wow. we worked with red cross so we were definitely behind the scenes with the fbi and really kind of collaborating in safety settings right and not fully aware of the dynamics right um and then when we went back Luther was ill yeah 
And so what we found was that um, she said, she called me and she, it was almost humorous. They asked her, so have you been in close contact with anyone else? Cause you may have contracted it before you even went to New Orleans. Oh, wow. And she said, no, no, just my, my husband. And then she thought about it and she said, wait, I was in bed with Shivana. <laughs> And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> Who? Huh? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> so wait, let me explain. Right, 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 right. <laughs> wow, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I know. I share bed, you know, hotel rooms with my girlfriends and people I work with all the time. And we, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't even think about it. You're like, yeah, that's, of course, we're saving money and that's what we do. Or whatever, it right? just sounded like a weird yeah. thing to say. I was in bed with Shivana and then, so maybe... <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I, I went to a very fairly large gathering that first weekend in March and uh, in Joshua Tree with a friend's birthday. And yeah, it was interesting. You know, I don't think any of us like uh, for sure, you know, um, and I don't know how many people mm-hmm. have gotten tested to see if they had it or yeah. not, but people flew in from all over, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. one of those before we all kind of knew what was happening, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah, no, it's uh, and now we're in uh, not so good times uh, around all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. What I've been what I've been thinking about, and I was kind of a quote that I've been that's just been on my spirit lately, mm-hmm. is that um, I just typed it out yesterday because it just was run. It was kind of it was running through my head, and I was like, I have to get this out. Yeah. Is that the the world is rocky. The world is rocking and there's no way for us to not be swayed because yeah. the entire world is rocking. If we're alive in this time, we're going to be swayed. Yep. But it's important that we have to be actually intentional about making sure that we don't fall. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, sometimes you got to <laughs> yes. you know, get steady with some friends and some family. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hold on to some somebody or something else that can be your rock to kind of hold you up yeah. because, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that metaphor mm-hmm. a lot because it is, it's it's wiggly. I mean, the world's mm-hmm. always moving mm-hmm. and stuff, but right now it's so, it's just, I don't know. I'm sure you're probably talking about that kind of stuff and, and you know, what you do, you know, with yes. your therapy and everything too. I mean, this is a time there's there's noise and trauma and, 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 you know, so I, I, yes. are, you, are you super busy right now? I would assume so. extraordinarily. Yeah. So um, my practice is fuller than it's ever been. Wow. But additionally, um, two nights a week, I work at a um, out of a hospital emergency room as a psychiatric liaison. Wow. And so if someone were to come into the emergency room um, for a, a medical issue, obviously, but what they find um, in assessing them is that their medical issue had any kind of emotional or psychiatric foundation then what the psychiatric liaison does is goes in and assesses what's going to be the appropriate um, kind of discharge or disposition plan. Got it. So we do a a thorough psychiatric evaluation and then we collaborate with the doctors, the nurses, um, the entire team to figure out, okay, so now once they're medically clear, what should happen? Uh, Um, And so there's been a significant increase in suicide attempts um, over this time because of the fact that people are struggling they're struggling they don't have their standard coping skills their coping mechanisms a lot of job loss relationship loss that isolation has been um uh, increased drug and alcohol use all of that has kind of played into a lot of um people that i'm seeing yeah i bet bet. yeah no that that makes sense i want to um i want to circle back 
where are you from originally? I don't know that. LA. You are? I'm an, I'm an oh, LA girl. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe I didn't know that, but okay. Did you, have you been uh, other places for like, school or anything like that? I did. I was born and raised in Los Angeles, um, undergrad. I went to UCLA and then for grad school, um, my husband and I had the opportunity to go to Illinois. And so we took the kids there. He, um, was, uh, he worked for Trader Joe's he, mm-hmm. and he was promoting with Trader Joe's as they were expanding to the mid- Midwest and the East coast. Okay. So he helped kind of, uh, start that expansion in the Midwest. And we moved there and I got my master's there and, he uh, moved up in the ranks and became a manager and um, at the Trader Joe's in the Midwest. And we raised our kids there for about six and a half, seven years. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yes. Where were you in uh, Illinois? The northwest suburbs of Chicago. So Arling- a little town called Arlington Heights. No way. <laughs> yes. I went to high school in Wheaton. No way. Uh-huh. No way. Yeah. I went to grad school in Schaumburg. Oh, get out of town. My dad used to run the Schaumburg JCPenney. He was the manager of the no JCPenney. Way. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So you, uh, <laughs> most people don't look at that. Yeah. Look at that. I love, I love the Midwest. Yeah. I feel like the people I met there were so much more authentic. Mm. Like, um, what we realize is it was, it was family. When, when you meet people in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. it's very surface. Mm-hmm. I find yeah, yeah, it's very surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the people we met in, in Illinois are, are their family and we still have relationships. It was, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful experience. That's so funny. Yeah. I was like, where? I was like, yeah, um, I, I, I'm divorced, but, uh, I, my, my extended family from my divorce, uh, they live in Arlington Heights, funnily enough. Wow. And I've been to Arlington Heights many, many times. So my, wow. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, Illinois, I, my dad worked at Chase Penny's and uh, was a manager. And so every time he got promoted, we got moved. And so we, we were okay. in Michigan, Indiana, and then Illinois, and I got to go to high school all four years in Wheaton. So that was a big deal. Then I went to a year of Illinois State University and then popped out West to Seattle to finish up at UW. So, yeah. Wow. So is, is Seattle, is that where you met Eleuthera? Uh, you know, we met, yes and no. We met, we met later. We have a mutual friend, Julia Francis, actually. And um, that's kind of how we met. But funnily enough, Eleuthera, like, lived in Sebastopol. I've lived in Sebastopol. Like there was just all these like weird, funny, like I did theater in Seattle. She went to Cornish. Like, yeah. So it was one of those Mm -hmm. destiny, like at some point we're going to intersect and we finally did. And, and then working on into action and we rise with, uh, with everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to know the whole crew down here too was super cool. So yeah, that's like, are you in, uh, you're, you're in LA. You you said you're in like the LA area right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in Marina Del Rey. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm over here on the West side. So it's been, uh, I love it down here. I, I lived in Seattle for 10 years and then, uh, Sebastopol up in North Bay. So, but yeah, I really mm-hmm. like LA, but I got a lot of family and friends up in Seattle too. So yeah, oh, cool. that's cool. And you've been, so, uh, so you got, so you were in, uh, you got your MBA and you were raising kids and then how did, what brought you back to California? Well, I got my master's in Illinois. I started practicing there and raising kids as right as I was getting ready to graduate because we had uh, three children. Okay. Um, And so right as I was getting ready to graduate, I unexpectedly expected 
Uh, our fourth blessing oh okay yes <laughs> right before grad school um right before the end of grad school so we were like okay um all right so we I graduated and and I started my career and of course he's you know opening stores in Lake Zurich oh, and, wow. and and uh, Pal- Pal- Palatine and just opening all these stores right. in the Chicago area and uh, it came down to a, a needing to be parents and build a career at the same time. So if someone wasn't feeling well and I'm like, well, I'm building a career and he's like, well, I'm the breadwinner. So we're like, who takes off? We had no, no, we didn't have any family. We had some friends, but how much can you impose on those friends that feel like family before they become a strange associate? (laughs) No and no. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So we're like, um, I think we need some family (laughs) with four kids and two, two very ambitious parents. I think we need family support and it made us decide to come back. And then um, it's interesting because we didn't come back to Los Angeles because um, we were thinking you've been in Arlington Heights. Our little suburbanites would have had complete shock. And we (laughs) go to Los Angeles. Yeah. So we came yep. back to another small town, mm-hmm. Canyon Lake. Our parents um, had some retirement property there, and um, we just we came back to their house in Canyon Lake, oh, nice. and, and we've been there. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that our Arlington Heights to sort of like L.A. would definitely be a bit of a jolt. That is for sure. Be traumatic. Yes, traumatic. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness! And with your practice, we tell our listeners a little bit about your practice and what you do as well. Sure. Well, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. And as I said, therapy is my gift. Really, I feel like it's my calling. And so it's my honor to serve others. And and in that honor, I kind of had to find my niche or or it found me Mm -hmm. because people with the most hurt were led to me. For whatever reason, I've been able to hold space with them and partner with them towards their healing. So I work with individuals um, it could be a four-year-old who needs play therapy due to grief right. or a middle, uh, a, a, an adult who's just trying to find their way in life or a young adult or male relationships, communication, self-esteem. Mm-hmm. But I even work with like severe trauma. Um, I partner with some organizations that support uh, human trafficking eradication. So I treat uh, the human trafficking survivors as well as working with the staff on how to deal with that vicarious trauma of working with the survivors as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that, mm-hmm. mm, I think some people don't always realize that it's like as a first line worker, or I don't even know what you want to call it, but maybe a better words than I do, but just when you're in of service, Right. Yes. When you're directly, when you're in the, yeah. in the thick of right. it, in the mix, right. That, you know, as, mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. as a therapist or a doctor or a nurse or whatever, it's not just like, I go do my job and I'm not affected by it. Right. So it's, yes, like, yes. it's self-care, I think to, and how do you deal with that and let go of that kind of stuff? So that's the kind of thing you're doing with people like that. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because you have to have a process to release it yeah. because if we're not, if you don't take that time to, to nurture your own soul and you're not whole, then you're going and trying to support someone else while you're fully wounded. Yeah. And, and it's not as effective. Right. It's not as effective because you're seeing through the lens of your wound. Right. You're seeing through the lens of your own pain instead of being able to fully connect with what that person needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like that, the, the, in relationships where you, you like, I don't know, I, I like the 20 minute to half hour sort of transition between sort of work and 
mm-hmm. not work, you know? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I think that's... And I even, I like that you said that because I even do that in therapy. Mm. Um, I, I, I may dig into something heavy and then we jump out right. and maybe have humor. And then we dig in deep and then we jump out. But yeah. I think having that heaviness, is, it's just too much for any human being to just stay. Um, one of the women that I work with that has some significant trauma, she calls it leaning in. Mm. She'll say, you know what, sometimes I'll lean a little bit into my grief, but then I sometimes I, I can't, I can't lean in. So we lean, I'll say, I'll tell her, hey, I'm going to lean you, we're going to lean in a little right. bit, and then I promise we'll lean out, you know? So mm-hmm. we have to be able to lean out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I, yeah. And I just, I don't know. I think right now, I mean, I, to me, life is a, a big roller coaster and a puzzle anyway. Mm-hmm, right. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're, Wah! and sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, hanging on with one hand. And, you know, other times you have yes. both hands on. And um, I know, like, I just feel like people right now in general are just, you know, one tired and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and also just, too much. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to focus between COVID mm-hmm. and George Floyd and everything that's been, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, yes. you know what? Like one thing, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. one thing. Folks? Yes. I don't know. I don't... Yes. Yeah. It, it is heavy. Like I said, the world is rocking and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to figure out really the goal is to try to find what we do with that emotion. Yeah. Um, once we feel it, okay, so I need some purpose. I can't just sit, sit and stew in it. Right. I've been doing a lot of trainings on the impact of the global health pandemic, as well as what I call this um, global awakening, yeah. uh, right. of this justice awakening. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 a, it's heavy, but it's also a huge opportunity. Yep. And so, but what we are finding is that anxiety, depression, and PTSD, people who already struggle with those things, mm-hmm. So anxiety, they already have a, their baseline is worrisome thoughts, Mm -hmm. right? Depression, baseline is sad thoughts. PTSD, of course, there's been some kind of trauma. So people who are already in those categories or struggle with that, it's getting, by being inundated with everything that's going on in the world, those can be worse. Those symptoms can be worse. But the thing that's powerful now is people who never struggled with anxiety, depression, or even like trauma triggers. Mm are now experiencing it for the first time. Yep. And they're like, whoa, what is this? I've never had heart palpitations. I've never had a panic attack. I've never, right. read, what is this? This is new. Yeah. And so it's unfamiliar. And mm. giving yourself permission to know that if the world has changed around you, it's going to eventually change you. Mm. So just like we said, the world is rocking. We're going to sway. Don't let yourself fall. Realize it's okay to rock. Don't be mad at yourself for <laughs> persuading like what's wrong with me why am I rocking back and forth the world is rocking and you're on the earth it's gonna be it's gonna affect you it's okay Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah I (laughs) I know everybody not take it down a notch but just give yourself a break maybe you know a little bit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep I'm seeing that a lot with a lot of friends and people that are just like poof you know but um yeah I like so you probably do a lot of that for yourself, right? Of like sort of that, that I need to like, so I can have my family yeah. and my husband and all of those things, you know, and do that separation for yourself. Yeah. I have to, yeah. I have to. The other, um, a couple weeks ago, I think it was just two weeks ago, I was feeling 
I've been working 70 to 80 hours a week between Mm -hmm. my practice being completely full, the hospital job, training contracts and contracts with other, I have about three or four other contracts with other organizations. Just, I was feeling heavy. Like Mm -hmm. I, I was feeling, so I just, I like, what do I need? I had to assess myself, Shavana, what do you need? I needed the ocean and I needed my family. So I contacted, now my, my children are adults. I only have one that's not an adult, Okay. but I texted everybody in the family and said, weekend, beach house, vacation, we're going. And I just found an Airbnb on the beach. Yep. I booked it for two days and well, three days and two nights. And I reserved it and said, I'll be there. I hope you guys all can come on out. Yeah. I just, I need ocean. I need air and I need you. Mm. And so we had, it was just an impromptu family getaway. And it was so good for my soul. I don't know. I, I assume it was good for their souls <laughs> too, but I'm being selfish here. I needed that. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah I read you know I read and does it relate to the the blog post you wrote about your the cups oh yes I read that yes, I thought yes. that was cool you tell everybody about that and we'll make sure I'm tagged that put that in the show notes oh about the cups my three cups, yeah, your cups oh my goodness love languages and I love the love languages oh you draw oh you're you're <laughs> <laughs> yes, my love. Uh, we one of the most powerful things that I did learn about is uh, is 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 love languages, and I didn't learn that until well into my marriage. Mm-hmm. Well into my marriage, and so for those who are not familiar with the concept of love languages, the belief is that there are five primary love languages that we speak, yep. and and it that when we speak that language, is the way we not only give, we receive and give love. So, for example, um, the five proposed love languages are words of affirmation, which is just telling someone you care about them. Acts of service is doing something for someone. Uh, gifts. It could be as small as a small treat or as big as a diamond ring. Mm-hmm. Um, quality time and physical touch. And physical touch is not necessarily, it can be non-sexual touch, hugs, cuddles, just physical touch. So. Yep. Um, my love language, what I learned after about seven years of marriage, when I discovered this theory, uh-huh. um, is that my love language is words of affirmation. I score very high on that. Words of affirmation and physical touch. I'm cuddly. <laughs> Big like, yeah. now, <laughs> yes, my husband's, he scored lowest on words of affirmation. Uh-huh. And so what he realizes that he loves to show his love. Mm-hmm. And so what I realize is a lot of times that maybe he'd be wanting to show me and, and gifts. Mm-hmm. So he'd be wanting to show me his love through gifts or through doing stuff for me. And I'd be looking for that compliment, like, tell me I'm pretty or yeah. that the dress looks good or my butt looks good in his yeah. jeans or, you know, and he's like, yep. but I, but I washed your car and I, right. I brought you coffee. And yep. I, so we learned that. And I, for the life of me, I never knew the gifts mattered to him. We have been together. We had kids. We have been together all these years. And when I saw that, I said, I think this must be wrong. He said, no, when you and the kids are gone all day and maybe I was at work all day and you come home and say, hey, I know you really like these potato chips and I bought you these chips while we were at the store because I thought about you. He's like, that really matters to me. I'm like, chips? <laughs> or he's like, <laughs> really? Totally, right? All the things I do for you and you care about a Snickers or a chip? Right, right, right. Like, that, that matters to me. That was groundbreaking. Yep. That was great. For our relationship. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I, I've discovered it too, not so long ago. 
uh, and and mm-hmm. I and it's for it's for husbands and wives and partners of you know or whatever you know like but I think like mm-hmm. it's like like having your mom do it is super interesting mm-hmm. too you know like anybody yes. in your family because it, yes. it applies and if you can figure that I've, I've I've heard of families doing those things and they're all like I had no idea that you were like but it makes sense don't, don't you think that people do like you were saying they do what they want like they do to others what they yes. want done to them I guess as far as the example is for my daughter yeah. she is um, not emotionally expressive at all. And I, when, when I actually discovered that they had it for adolescence mm. was around the time she's now 25, okay. but it was around the time she was a uh, middle schooler. And Ooh, I was like, uh, either she hates me or <laughs> like, it was really a tough time in our relationship. I was grasping for straws. Right. Please Lord, I need something. Show me what to, yeah. what to do. Right, right? Right. And so I have her take it. And and because I would always text her these long, flowy messages. Okay. Like that was when cell phones were new and she had a razor. She had a pink flip phone razor (laughs) and she was in middle school. Yes. And she was it. And I would text her these messages about how I love her and she's my angel, but she's my only girl. And I just believe in her and how I feel like she's beautiful and all this stuff. And I get back, (laughs) Kay. You know, yes. Uh, you're like, okay. What? Okay. Oh my yes. gosh. I'm like, all right. Wow. <laughs> so all right. But what when she took the survey, um, she like almost 90% was acts of service. And I realized that almost every morning, my daughter, because everybody knows that I start my day with a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Almost every morning she would make me like a slice of toast and a cup of coffee. Uh. And she wouldn't make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. She'd say, mama made your coffee or mama got your stuff out of the car for you. Cause I know you were tired. Right. She just would always do little considerate things right. for me. Uh-huh. And I thought that she didn't care about me because she wasn't sending me back flowy, lovey, emotional right. when she texts, uh-huh. but she had been showing me her love for me. And that was so powerful for me. I mean, it really brought tears to my eyes. And I'm like, she's been telling me she loved me all the time. Right. And, I, and then I realized, okay, I haven't been telling her I love her right. in the way she would receive mm-hmm. it. Because she may have been thinking like, dang, she never does anything nice or consider for me. She's just always telling me how pretty I am. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or how smart okay. and powerful yeah, I am. Right. Right. <laughs> she's like, I don't care about that. Right. That's so funny. Yeah, no, I really, I loved your, your article about that because I definitely relate to that and the cups too Do we talk about the cups part the love cups yes i had to refresh my memory oh. because i wrote that a long time oh, you ago did? okay oh yeah I was, on the phone. But, I was like i know i sort of i think it was the love languages that sort of caught my eye and then i was yes. like oh i want to read the rest of that so yeah so i talked about the uh spiritual cup the interpersonal cup and then the personal cup mm-hmm. so the spiritual cup, I'm going to actually read, if you don't mind, if I Please read the quote yeah, yeah. from there. Yeah. Okay, so the spiritual cup is that agape love. It's the, so for me, my faith is my primary source of strength. Mm. So I give out so much of myself that I have to make sure that I'm filling my spiritual cup to stay grounded, to stay effective, yep. to stay effective, to be able to give. So that's mm. I achieve that through kind of prayer and meditation, scripture, listening to music, and that kind of gets, gets my cup full to be able to to give yeah. out and to pour out to others. But then there's the interpersonal cup. My love from my family and friends, I have to have that. Mm-hmm. I have to be connected to those people that I love. And I and that, yeah, 
um, whether it's my husband or whether it's my, um, my kids or, or my girlfriends, my sisterhood, I really, I, it, it means the most to me. Yeah. The saddest thing in the world that I ever hear people, one of the saddest things is when I hear women say, I don't have girlfriends. I don't have that. I, I you know, I don't get along with other women. I'm like, girl, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what you are missing? Mm-hmm. Something about a sisterhood bond that can feed your soul in a way that no other relationship can. Yep. Agreed. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that where it's like, I only get along with men or, you know, or whatever. And it's like, huh? Yeah. I, I Exactly. I think people are missing out for sure if they're not cultivating those relationships. I mean, and if we don't, we get that where we're fighting against each other, you know, like mm-hmm, that base, mm-hmm, that base, mm-hmm. like I'm jealous of you. You're too, you know, like what is the chemicals in our body that are like, we try to get the best yeah. sperm. Ah, you know, <laughs> do you, do you have a core sisterhood that you are connected to? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I do. Yeah. And that happened, I would say for me a little bit later, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my life, you know, like I always had a core set of friends It also, you know, um, I don't have children. And so I think the other thing for me got, going through my life was that, um, it, I tend, we tend, when people went off and had kids, you know, my, my ex-husband and I, we, we kind of had friends that were either single or it was gay couples or, you know, it was like, mm-hmm, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. the people who went off to have children, you know? So that was sort of an mm. interesting friend group that happened for a while, like when we were younger, you know, when everybody was babies and then, um, but yeah, but then my core group, yeah, I think in like after college is when I, for me, that really started that connection of sisterhood for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what you're mentioning is really powerful. I'm glad you mentioned that with the interpersonal cup because our, our circles do change. Mm -hmm. And mind you, even though it doesn't be sad to hear people say, oh, I don't have girlfriends. It is important to recognize that not everybody's meant to be in every season of your life. Yes. Agreed. I had a, I heard a quote recently. I did a, a training with Pepperdine um, and there was, it was me. I co-presented with two other speakers and one of the other speakers said, not everybody is well or healed enough to be in the front seat of your car. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so it made me think about the fact that it's not that that person is bad or you wish them ill intent, but some people are not well enough. And I thought about it. Okay. There has to be a level of wellness and mutual support and love and for them to be in the front seat of your car. And then there are some people who are just in your life. You know, I don't know about you, but I have some family members. They're still in the car. I mean, they're there. (laughs) They might be in a truck. They're in the way back. (laughs) (laughs) They're in the way back. They're in the car. I haven't decided to kick them out of the vehicle yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they, they're not well enough to be in the front seat, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can still love them. But there's some people who have just had to get out. Like, <laughs> it's okay. They just haven't had to get out of the vehicle of, mm-hmm. because my car is going in a certain direction, and maybe they didn't want to go that way. They weren't kind of on that path. So, like, hey, let me let you out. So you can get to your particular destination and I love you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that is an amazing analogy. I've never heard that before. I think that's so cool. Well, and it's also like, you know what, when you're in the car, you want to share the the load of the driving and the responsibility mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And when somebody is sleeping or, you know, every other thing that maybe you don't want while you're mm-hmm. on your road trip, you know, like, 
that that's hard too, you know? And it's like, and then, I don't know, people get mad sometimes. They're like, well, I'm not important to you anymore. And da, 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 da. And it's, it's not that. It's just that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's distant. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you don't live next to each other or whatever, you know, just things change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is interesting yeah. about who is, who's in the front seat and who's in the other. I like that a lot. Yes. And you, I didn't even think about the perspective of, they have to be well enough to be in the front seat because you will share the you will share the load. Mm-hmm. You will go back and forth. Yeah. Oh gosh, look at that! Yeah. Oh, we could write a whole book <laughs> around that that statement. I need to get her name and number. I get need to get her information so I can quote her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm to make sure I give her give credit. Her credit. Yeah. But uh, I, I have a whole lot that I can write around that. Not everybody is well or healed enough to be in the front seat of your car. Yeah, or you're a navigator you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that's so interesting. Yeah. I had someone also say to me, um, who's actually a tarot card reader. And he said to me, he was like, you know, um, you're probably like in a lot of people's first ring of a phone call. If something goes down, you probably are too, you know, like yes. clients, family, but also extended because of what you do for a living. Right. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he said to me, he was like, you know, he was like, maybe, you need to give pause and know who your inner ring is for your like immediate responses, you know, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, your folks, mm-hmm. your honey or blah, 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 whatever. And then out and maybe you don't necessarily have to be the first person of all of these people that because when they yes. don't get a hold of you, they will, they will try number two, number three, number four. <laughs> and maybe that's okay. Yes. Yes. That is really no. important being able to consecrate that time. And what helped me to realize that was um, what I found is when I would pour out so much to other people, mm-hmm. um, the people who were closest to me, who were in the front seat of my car, weren't getting the best of me. Uh. Um, and I realized I had to save the best for them. I had to save the good stuff for them. They deserve the good stuff. Yeah. Yes. They deserve the good stuff. Like even something as simple as, um, sometimes the way we would talk to, like my pastor said something in a sermon and he was talking about how we will talk to others better than we'll talk to our, our family. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, Hmm. If I'm out in public and I need somebody to hand me something or throw something away, I may say, hey, could you please throw that away for me? Mm-hmm. But if I'm talking to my kids, it's like, hey, throw this away. And I thought about it like, oh, yeah. why am I treating with more, treating other people mm-hmm. with more kindness and respect than I treat the people who are closest to me? Mm-hmm. And that really shifted my energy and it let me realize they deserve my best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a... Um, I don't know what it is. Something I said, it was like where the a mom's on the phone and she's like, hi, Judy. Yes, of course. <laughs> of course I'll bring that pie and blah, 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 blah. And she hangs up the phone and she's like, like I said, God damn it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, it's like that. that. And, and it's true. <laughs> that, But that doesn't mind you. I have failed in that department many times. I specialize in working with adolescents, but ooh, each of my kids during that adolescent phase, I was not the best mom to them. And I tell people all the time, it's so funny when people come in, I say, look, especially because I'm in a community that's relatively small Mm -hmm. and like Arlington Heights was like 0.1% African-American and that was me and my kids. Meanwhile, yeah, I, kids. we were the 0.1%. Yep, yep. <laughs> Canyon Lake is similar, right? Uh, and so 
people know if they come in and do therapy with me, they know that there's some cute little brown faces around that have the last name Gaylor, which is not common. And they may belong to me. It's very likely that they belong to me. And I tell them, do not judge me. Do not judge me by my children. (laughs) They're amazing. But just because I am a therapist doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean I'm a perfect parent. Doesn't mean I'm a perfect partner. Doesn't mean I'm a perfect person. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't expect that just because I offer healing to other people um, and emotional support to other people that I don't have meltdowns myself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to get it right. Right. And whatever, right. Whatever right means. Words like normal and right kind of bug me, but like, you know, just trying to be your best, I guess. Do you- yes, trying to be our best, trying to grow, trying to be our best, trying to be the best friend, trying to be the best person. And goes to the third, the personal cup, like that self-love, mm-hmm. because I like I love travel and adventure. I love being able to read a good book. I love, yeah. you know, what what fills your personal cup? What do you love to do? Like what makes you just feel your best yeah. personally? Uh, I think the travel definitely has been one in my life. I love writing. Um, I love doing this, mm-hmm. to be honest, uh, talking mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. stories. Um, but I love a good book, too. I really love reading mm-hmm. and learning. And then I collect art museums. I would have had a, if I could, if I would have taken more time in school, I would have done an art minor. Just, I love. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So those kinds of things. That's awesome. And getting outside. For sure. When can you tell, like, when is your radar? uh, When, when, when does your alarm go off that lets you know that uh, I'm not one, at least one of these cups is feeling kind of empty. What's your telltale sign or some of your telltale signs? Um, I think when I get, when I get angry about like wanting to exercise or something, you know what I mean? Like I know things that are good for me and then I'm like, mm, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like it. And then I'm like, well, you're acting like that. Mm-hmm. That's actually what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. I'm like you. Yeah. When, and, and I get, when I get angry about certain things, I tend to write about them instead of Mm-hmm. just uh, make it into a learning moment, you know, but um, I, I've read a lot of books that like going through a divorce and, and moving to a new city. And I, I've done a lot of wonderful reading, you know, about sort of things mm-hmm. that I wish I would have read eons ago. Like there's a um, codependence no more, I think is a really, mm-hmm. that is a great one. Great book. I recommend it all the time. Yeah. That was a, enlightening book for me and I love I have a I do I have the journal um there's a daily Mm -hmm. journal and I really like that and I kind of use it over and over again and I write in it sort of over Mm -hmm. over time and stuff but that I think because I think everybody's got a little bit of codependent and a little bit of narcissist in them depending and we have that Mm -hmm. sort of scale right and sometimes it flips depending Mm -hmm. on who you're with so that kind of to me was a big sort of breakthrough of like "Hmm." and taking care of myself I'm very high, high energy. And if, and I put myself last and I know that, and I think that's affected mm-hmm. my relationships. If you aren't taking care of mm-hmm, yourself, it's, mm-hmm. it's RuPaul, right? If you aren't going to love yourself, yes. how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, because you become, because you become a martyr and you become resentful. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes, just that, yes. and other people, I just, you know, I don't like that either. You know, it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, take care of yourself, whether it's by working too much or, you know, like, and, and it's like, I, I watch other folks I'm and dealing with addictions, you know, with, it's not mm-hmm. just having an addiction, but it's dealing with somebody that has one, you know, yes. like, yes. That's, yes. that's a lot. And, you know, some I've seen parents or friends or whatever that 
tear their hair out of their head because they're like, I love this person. I'm trying to help, but I don't know what to do. And it's exhausting. You know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I think I try to identify the cups and, and mm-hmm, I like talking mm-hmm. about things, you know, um, I'm very, very verbal that way. And also I try to ask inquisitive questions as, a, as like a manager of people, like how, not just how are you feeling? But like on like trying to mm-hmm. do like a scale of one to five, yes. like how are you feeling? Yeah, and we do it that way because mm-hmm. like yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that insight comes in handy at what with leading teams for sure. Yeah, the communication styles and the insight and all of that is very valuable for leading a team and makes them feel like they can trust you because they feel connected and heard. Yeah. I, I try. I try. I mean, I, I think, I don't know, you get to a certain age too. I don't know. Maybe you find this that I just, I feel like there's like, I dropped in kind of in my forties, you know, um, mm-hmm. in a different way than I was in my thirties, you know, it's kind of like, it's all about me and all this stuff. And I'm kind of like, yeah, it's about me, but I'm, it's about me raising other people up and bringing people along. Cause I, I mm-hmm. helped along the way and, and I keep going, Oh my God, am I really 48? When did that happen? You know, <laughs> you know, and you're, you're, you're the adult, adult in the room, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Forties were, was, um, that when I passed that threshold, that was actually exciting for me because I realized that although I had significantly changed, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I was more confident in my forties than I was in my twenties because I was just comfortable with who I, who I'm comfortable, more comfortable with who I am. Um, you know, and I just stopped caring as much about other people's opinion. Mm -hmm. And that was so liberating in my forties. That was the biggest transition of my Mm forties. Yeah. I I agree with that completely for me too. Yeah. It's like, I didn't, mm-hmm. it's like, you, you still care about some, but I feel, I feel like, like some of that imposter syndrome and some of that other stuff kind of goes away, you know, especially, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what you feel is success, you know, for mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I, I guess it, one of the, for you, for your job, like, is it, I mean, is, uh, for you, it's it's about having you know just having a good number of clients. You do so many things, is what I'm get. I'm trying to get to. It's mm-hmm. like, and that, that feeds you, I would imagine, in different ways. Yeah, it does. Every role feeds me in different ways. And when I was in grad school, in undergrad and grad school, mm-hmm. I looked at all my textbooks, mm-hmm. and every single psychology textbook was based on the theory of an older white male. Every theory, every image, mm-hmm. and I said there's emotional healing that needs to happen for the entire world, but that's not reflected or represented in these books. And I was absolutely determined to change that. Yeah. Yeah. And so by changing that, I really, I, 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 the way to change that is just to walk in my purpose. Mm. And I literally put myself out there in every capacity that I can. If there is a way for me to go and and face forward and make a change, I do. And um, sometimes when I'm tired and I want to give up, Mm -hmm. actually, the other people who are watching me, I had someone call me about an opportunity and I was in the car with my youngest, my 15 year old. And um, I was just feeling already overwhelmed. It was supposed to be my off day and I was on a business call. (laughs) And he happened to be in the car on my off day and I'm taking care of business. And the person was telling me, hey, 
I've really been talking you up and I think there's some great opportunities that are going to come down the pipeline for you. I'm really excited to collaborate with you on some projects. And when we hung up, I just started, almost started to tear up. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I can take on, although that sounds so exciting. <laughs> you know, I was sitting, my son was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't, I don't have space for any more projects. I don't, I don't, I don't think I have any more to give. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. And he, he checked me immediately. He said, mom, you always say that you want to be the absolute best, that you want to be the greatest and that you want to do the most. You think that you can do that by saying you're tired or that you don't want to, or you don't have more room or you can't do anymore. He's like, you got to figure out how to make it work. Like if you want to be the best, then you got to be willing to do the work. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, well, I did something right there, but okay. But what about you? I'm your mom. He's like, I'm 15. <laughs> like, all right. Like you, if, if opportunities arise and you got to do the work. Yeah. He, he starts giving me the speech. Do you, do you think Oprah said she can't take another series on or another part on or another project? You think Oprah, I'm like, Oprah has a team. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh yeah i know when people throw like oprah beyonce at you, you're like um okay they like they have a few people helping them by the way but that's all right exactly oh, yeah. they have staff and publicists <laughs> and team they're not going home to clean toilets after speaking the point is there though right of yeah i get it i got it i felt supported i felt like i wasn't it wouldn't be taken from him yeah to take to to walk in that purpose and um yeah so so it does it does fuel me it feeds me it makes me feel like I'm making an impact um yeah yeah absolutely Uh, but it it can feel overwhelming I'm the president of our local chapter um the the statewide California marriage and family therapists we have um local chapters and this year I'm serving in the chapter and being emotionally heavy, being definitely the racial minority, um, and and having to lead a team of other clinicians that sometimes struggle right. um, with with understanding inequality and inequity and injustice right. and the impact, especially because of in this area limited exposure. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I was supposed to kind of lead my team, and we had to have our board meeting and everything in me. I wasn't. I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't want to be the leader. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be the black leader with the burden of making sure that everybody is aware of the fight of the black people in the world, especially in a clinical perspective. I didn't want to. Right. But I realized that this is what I prayed for to be able to have an impact and make a change and from a leadership perspective. Yeah. So how can I make an impact and then not want to do it? (laughs) I think you're, I mean, I think you're allowed to have both feelings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, to have those feelings and still just keep pushing to be able mm-hmm. to feel like, eh, I don't want to, but I know I got to, and I'm called to. Mm-hmm. So let me see what I need to do to fuel myself to do it. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for doing it. One. And because, <laughs> no, it is, it is, you know, in conversations and reading and, you know, some of it for me, like, and I say it from a place of, you know, I get, I'm sitting in a really nice apartment. I have a great job and all of that. And, and where I was dropped into the world with the privilege I have, but 
I also see people and I'm like, sometimes I'm like, I don't really want to talk to you unless you've like gone to read these three books and watched a couple of movies about this because I can't have this conversation with you. <laughs> it's exhausting. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's exhausting. But then the change can't come without. Right, without conversation. Yeah, without conversation, without connection, without, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, the change can't come without that. And that, sometimes it feels like a, a heavy heavy task I want to say burden but not necessarily a burden Mm -hmm. I remember when um, we were in Illinois right we were there and um in Arlington Heights and my one of my first jobs was they had an after school program and so you before and after school so I I supervised the after school program and I had all these like little high schoolers that would come and and help with the elementary schoolers at the elementary school and and we you know they do the arts and crafts and I'd oversee it was kind of like a boys and girls club type thing Mm -hmm. but on the elementary school campus right and a cute, sweet 18-year-old uh, staff, she said, like, in the middle of the year, she said, you know, you guys are the first Black family I've ever met or seen in real life. Wow. She's like, ever. I've never, ever, ever seen a Black family in real life. And I thought, how, honestly, I thought, first of all, how awesome it is for her to have met us. Yeah. You know, what a great teaching opportunity. So it goes along with the this is heavy, like, dang, so if we mess up, then she's like, dang, <laughs> Black families suck. Right. <laughs> I knew this one. Right. <laughs> Hope you don't screw but, up, right? Oh my goodness, wow. But also, I was my like, pressure. what a great opportunity. <laughs> and and how uh, how grateful I was for her to be open, feel comfortable enough with me to disclose that. Right, yeah. And it was just such a, such a great relationship and such a great connection. So mm-hmm. uh, like through the exposure, we make the change, yep. the conversations, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, it, we, we must, we have to, and it's, it's one of the things, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I wanted to ask you about, I want, I'm excited to, I haven't read it yet, but I want to read your book. I was looking at the emerging healer adding mm-hmm. insight and impact to your mental health work. And it struck me, I was like, I, th- I think everybody should probably read that, especially if you're in a position it, yes. of management or whatever, mm-hmm. or you're dealing with people, right? I mean, that's a layer. Yes. Uh-huh. It, the book, although I thought about changing the title, the subtitle at least, because it gives the impression that it is just for mental health workers, but there's a level of what it is for people who have insight or who are seeking insight Mm. to go a little deeper, right? Because what I do is I teach people how I'm very transparent about my story. So I use a narrative approach. So I transparently share my story, interwoven with clinical insight, Mm. interwoven with um, kind of tools that people can use to get better connected to other people. So each chapter has has a blend of my personal story, how my personal story impacted my, me professionally. And then here are some tips and tools that you can use to apply in everyday life. Love it. Um, and then it ends with questions. So like there are bullet points that are for like, if you are a therapist, do this. Because so many therapists would say, I went to school and I got out of school. And then I sat with a person who came to me for their support and their healing. And I had no idea what to do. Because all that theory and textbook and reading doesn't prepare you for someone who comes to you with heavy pain and is like, oh, yeah, right. So I give really concrete tools. And then there's also a processing question for anyone 
like for example, one of the chapters is called what's in a, uh, what's in a name. Mm. So I talk about where my name came from and just kind of tell the story about my name and my feelings about my name coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about the fact that I, I really didn't like my name. I thought it was something, uh, it was so different and I thought it was, I don't know, stereotypical. And, and then it was spelled all different and I always had to explain how it was spelled and, and it was just frustrating. And then I, I, I include an article by Aisha Curry okay. where she was talking about her name as well and how she, um, her, her parents, her father loved the, um, the song, Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. Uh -huh. And the daughter's name is Aisha that he was singing about. So she talked about where her name came from and how she learned to appreciate it. Um, and then, so I, I also tell people that when you ask a person, where did their name come from? You're asking about them. And there's, so I go into the power of words. Mm -hmm. When you speak over a person, the significance of their name is spoken over them every time you say their name. Sure. Right. Yeah. Then also, uh, then also, even if a person doesn't know where their story came from, that's telling of their identity. Like, where did your name come from? Mm -hmm. My name, Heather, comes from my mom and dad. My, they wanted to name me Sean or Heidi. Started out there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I believe there's some um, Scottish and Irish in my family. And so Heather, mm -hmm. Heather came from that. So, yeah. So, so what I hear from that is every time they spoke Heather, they spoke heritage and they spoke love yeah. because they were so intentional about picking your name that they mulled over several names, mm. which means that they really cared significantly about you. Yeah. Then they wanted to give you something that was indicative of the heritage of your family. lineage. Mm. So every time they spoke your name, they spoke those things over you. And I'd imagine yeah. that you carried that love and that heritage with you throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, I've never heard yes. that, but yes, yes, I love it, yeah. So there's power in that. So now, if you're a therapist and you're fresh out of grad school right. and you have no idea what to say, you're sitting there and you're stuck, like literally stuck on stupid, like, uh, uh, what do I say to this person? Ask them, hey, so where did your name come from? Mm, interesting. Just that conversation can ease into, like, if they say, I don't know, or I was getting, whatever, wherever it goes, you can follow their lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and guide that session based upon just that question. Right. And that tells you a lot about their family, their parents, how they feel about their parents. How they, you know, like. Even if they say, I was born in the system. I don't know. I never knew my parents. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more, yeah. you know, yeah. or, yeah. you know, I was named after my father and he's in jail and that I struggle with, it. you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's so telling. That is fascinating. Yeah. I love that. Cause that's, I mean, it, being you know when you're working and you're a your manager or you're you know any of that stuff I mean it's like sometimes mm -hmm, you're like how mm -hmm. do I start a conversation with somebody I don't know trying to get to know them and mm -hmm. get to know me and yeah I I can't wait to read this like, I'm so <laughs> <excited>. <laughs> it's like yeah that's super cool interesting yeah um well I could yeah. probably talk to you for another hour or two or four or 16 <laughs> um but uh maybe I'll uh, take us into our last question. Moments and sparks. Um, uh, moments in in one's life that change us. And and I'm I'm wondering if you'd share with our listeners if you can pick one or maybe a couple person, place, thing, book, quote that really seat you and who you are in this moment in today. Oh, this moment today. Wow, that's a big one. 
Gosh, wow, that's pretty powerful. Okay, so one more time. What was the question? One more time, because I want to, yeah, 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 yeah. because my brain went everywhere. I'm like, oh, I yeah. can answer it so many different ways. Right, right. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's uh, moments, sparks, and it, it's people. It's a book. It's the the, the answers mm. are all over the place all the time. Yourself, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, what, like mm-hmm. just something that you know you you would say, you know what, that moment, that thing, that really kind of when I sit and think about sort of today where things are in the world with me all of that something that either changed you or sparked something in the way you think um what I would say honestly (laughs) I'm gonna use a very funny story okay to uh, that seems so surfacey but I'm it's gonna kind of tie into more depth okay so lately when I'm growing up I've always had kind of thick hair or you know not super long but thick kind of bouncy hair Mm -hmm. for me and it's been something that I love now as I got older over the last couple years my hair started thinning and I wear like braids a lot and it started thinning and I had resigned to the fact that maybe you know it's hereditary I'm getting older right. it's hormones it's genetics I just have to accept it mm. however over the past six months I've been intentionally pouring love and light into myself mind body and soul mm. including my hair yep. the products the way I talk to my hair and my body mm. the way I talk to myself the way I nurture that area of myself and today I left the salon and she's like your hair is back to where it was it's actually thicker my stylist is like it's thicker the curl pattern is healthier than it was before and it's starting she's like I'm really loving the way you're and I said wow what you feed will grow like no matter what don't let Mm -hmm. any of the if you nurture something it will grow and it so what I got today was if I nurture something in my soul, it will grow. And God is a restorer for me. Spiritually, God is a restorer. So there is restoration possible in anything that looks dead. So what I, it just resonated with me. Like my husband and I, when we were a young couple, I bought a home. Mm-hmm. And in the housing crisis, we lost that home. And it was devastating to me. But what I got in the message from my hair being restored (laughs) was that home ownership and property management can be restored, that investment can be restored, that relationships can be restored. Nothing that appears dead is, 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 is gone. There's always that hope for restoration if I desire that and I pour into it. So I know, I know that may sound silly, but it really, it was a profound message for me in this season mm-hmm. of restoration in every single area. Yeah. I love that. That, yes. Right. I mean, <laughs> it was a power. Restoration of, is possible. Yeah. Restoration and feeding your soul and pa- the power of positive thinking and words and intention. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, hair is a big deal. let's be real (laughs) it just I I just was not willing to accept the fact that oh this is just something I need to resign to right this is something I just need to accept Mm -hmm. mind you there are going to be areas where there's some acceptance needs to come but that was not something I was willing to accept I wanted to see if there was a way for me to change it yeah 
And I think that for ourselves and our lives, knowing that one of the things that I love to live by is you can heal. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd love to have people know that if you're in a season that is hurting or difficult financially, physically, emotionally, interpersonally, um, in, 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 medically, yeah. you can heal. I believe that we can all heal. I just released, there's a, um, I, I'll send it to you, okay. this, uh, the five-step, five-step blueprint to healing. Okay, cool. Um, and it gives like a five-step blueprint. I write out a five-step blueprint to what it looks like to heal because I believe that everybody can heal. It will take work, yeah. but everybody can heal. That's, yeah. I can't wait to see that. That's awesome. I believe, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I say yes, 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 yes. It's so good. Oh, well, I'm going to put the Emerging Healer, a link there, and your website is shivana.com. C-H-E-V-O-N-N-A.com. We'll put that in there. Yes. And see, so I didn't like the name. And then at the end, I realized with this unique name and unique spelling, I get Shavana.com. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, like, I mean, who, get, who gets their name as their website? Like, thank you. Not so really. I have to thank my mom yes. since she named me. And the funny, and I've mentioned that in the story that <laughs> I learned to love it and appreciate the uniqueness of it. And it has been advantageous for me professionally. Mm -hmm. However, although there is so much depth, so much of vulnerability, so many life lessons and so much power in my book. And I share pieces of my mom's story and my father's story and just all of that. Um, and the, the book is really powerful and engaging and entertaining and in depth. And my mom read the whole story. And at the end, she says, hmm, so you don't like your name. Nothing like our moms to give us what what. Yeah. <laughs> one thing <laughs> that would be my mom too yeah for sure oh my gosh that's hilarious oh well you are so wonderful thank you for what you do in the world for so many I know you I know because I know I know you and I and I know of you through lots of friends and I know how, how much you reach out and touch people and change people's lives so thank you for what you do really Thank you for having me so much and for giving me this platform. And I can't wait to see you face to face and give you a big old squeeze. I know, I know. I'm like, yes, please. Sometime soon for sure. So, okay. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Absolutely. Bye. All right. Bye. Everybody, that has been another episode of the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And here is to another big, beautiful day on this blue spinning sphere. Thanks, everybody. Bye. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.